Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Strategy Podcast, a business podcast series where we discuss marketing and branding strategies, challenges, and the power of living your passion as a small business owner. My name is Jacqueline Farkas. I am a marketing and brand consultant and founder of Marketing Service Boutique. My mission is to help service-based business owners understand how to strategically market their business and teach them how to put their branding to work. I'm so excited you're here and I look forward to sharing more content with you in the upcoming episodes. Please welcome my guest, Jeremy Miner. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you doing today? You know, hanging out. Thanks for having me on your show. It's an honor. And uh, let's see what we can do to um, help everybody listening. See what we can do for Yes. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to meet with me. I absolutely love your content on LinkedIn. So definitely tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Um, I understand you are the founder and chairman of Seventh Level Communications. You know, you have a sales training firm. And I'd like to dive into that. You know, let me know a little bit more about your background and, you know, what you and your team do. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to bore everybody, so I'll give you kind of the the, the smaller version, and I and I can, you know, this might help people because yeah. you know, people on here that are listening to you, if they're, you know, in any t- if they have a product or service that they're wanting to move more of, if they're wanting to influence or persuade, help their prospects solve their problems, we have to learn different skill sets to be able to do that. So I'll share you. I'll, I'll, give, I'll just give you kind of a brief background because. Yeah. I think my my background really relates to what's necessary to to take your income and sales to the next level. So I, you know, just random, grew up in a, a ranch in mid Missouri. Okay, never was taught sales or persuasion by my teachers or family. Remarkably, right? Wasn't born a salesperson. That's kind of a myth. Nobody's born with advanced questioning skills and advanced <laughs> tonality. That's something you have to acquire, right? So I got into sales as a, as a broke, burned out college student when I was 21, got my first job selling home security systems door to door. And basically Ooh. the company hires everyone because it's straight commission. So there's no risk on their part. They give you a script, have you read a few books by the gurus and basically, you know, kick you out of the white van in the neighborhood and say, hey, go make some sales. You know, that was my experience. Hey, go make some sales. We'll pick you up after dark. <laughs> in a not so safe neighborhood. And I remember my sales manager that time, he told me something that still, I can still see it. The first training is like, guys, you know, when you knock on the door, you got to be really excited. Like you got to be enthusiastic and you got to tell your prospects why the product is so great for them. And you got to show your excitement. And if you show them you're excited, they're going to be excited about what we're offering. And I realized from the very first store of doing that, that nothing could be further from the truth because <laughs> every single door where I was doing that, I was getting objections usually within the first 30 seconds. Like we can't afford it. We don't need it. Your price is too high. We already have somebody for that. Somebody for your company came around last month. You know, I need to talk to my spouse. Let me think it over. I need to get more quotes. Can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? Right. And if anybody's on here ever sells anything, okay you know, you get those same objections. And I remember after about probably seven to eight weeks of going through nonstop rejection. Okay. And when you're making straight commissions and you don't hardly make any sales, it's not very encouraging. Right. So I remember after about eight weeks of that, 
you know, my manager was going to pick, pick us all up at night. I remember like working that whole day. I was setting on a curve. It's like 10 o'clock at night, sweat rolling down my back. This is like the middle of July. You know how it is in the Midwest <laughs> and sales manager is going to pick us up and I'm sitting there on the curve, had worked 12 hours that day and made zero sales. So that means I got paid $0 an hour. I could have got a job at McDonald's making more at that point, flipping burgers. That week I made zero sales. So I'd worked 70 hours made $0. <laughs> I remember, oh, man. you know, cause I, that I must just, have been tough at the beginning, right? Well, How did you 20, find the motivation to pick well, yourself back up? I had no choice. I'd recently got married and I had a, my little girl had been born. Her, mm-hmm. her, she's, you know, her name's Cam and she goes to school here at Arizona state now. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, you know, I'm going to have to go home to my wife at the time and tell them that, Hey, we don't have enough money to pay rent next month. We're going to have to move in with your parents and live in the basement. I was going to be one of those guys. Okay. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe selling, maybe selling just wasn't for me. You know, has anybody ever, you you ever felt that way yourself? You know, all the time. I mean, even as a business owner, right, we have to lean into our strengths. That's what I believe. And I teach my clients. And when you don't, and you need to learn an acquired skill like sales, then you can feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I feel like that is a very common fear is yeah. selling. It's it's how to sell the yeah. way that's authentic to you yeah. and not, you know, just well, how do you um, sell you how somebody really tells go you go through all the rejection? We'll we'll give them some tips today about that. Yes. But I remember when the sales manager we picked him up that night, he popped in a Tony Robbins CD. Now this was 20 years ago. So people used to listen to CDs back in the day. And Tony Robbins said something like this. I might be butchering it, but he said he said something to the fact like that most people fail for the simple reason they don't learn the right skills. Mm. Like everyone is taught, he goes on, everyone's taught skills, but most people fail because they weren't taught the right ones. And that, that was like a revelation that came into mind. It was like a light, it was like the heavens opened up. There was God intervening in my life that maybe what the company was training me and what I was learning from what I now call the old sales gurus, maybe they just weren't the right skills. Maybe they were outdated. Maybe this doesn't work very well anymore. Because mm-hmm. I know, you know, you, everybody on here like me, you know, you want to provide a great lifestyle for you and your family as well, right? That's why you're right. in business. That's what you're doing. But the dilemma was I was going to college at the same time and my degree was in behavioral science and human mm-hmm. psychology, okay, which might be interested for sales. I might have a connection there. And my professors were teaching me that the most persuasive way to communicate and sell was over here. Whereas my company and all the gurus were teaching me it was over here. It's like complete opposite. So I'm like, how do I take what I'm learning in behavioral science and human psychology and the way the brain works and tie that into a sales process? And once I started to learn how to do that, everything started changing. So I started learning how to use techniques that work with human behavior. So instead of trying to push my prospects forward to buy and pressure them like 99% of salespeople are taught, I started learning from human behavior, human psychology, how to get my prospects to pull me in, right? Love didn't it. have to push. And then selling became very, very easy and very, very profitable. You with yeah. me? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love to learn more about that. And our listeners as well, I'm sure they want to learn, you know, you have a unique methodology called NEPQ. Can you go over what that is? And yeah, you know, you know everybody's like, what different? does NEPQ mean? Yeah. yeah so, what is that? That's an interesting acronym. 
What does it stand uh, no, for? It stands for neuroemotional persuasion questioning. Okay? okay. So remember, go back to what I was just saying. I was in college. My major is behavioral science. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondary was human psychology, which is, if, it, if you really boil it down, it's the study of the brain and why human beings make decisions and how and why a person is persuaded or not persuaded to do something or believe a certain way. It's very fascinating once we understand how our brain works. So check this out. According to behavioral science, there are three forms of communication. If I can, three forms if everybody's watching. Now, wherever you're at right now, unless you're driving, I would suggest you write down these three forms. Because once you understand the differences in persuasion and where you're at now compared to where you could be, it will completely change everything for you, even if you're already doing well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first mode of communication is more known as boiler room selling. Okay. It's called era one type of selling. I'm not going to give you the scientific term, but think boiler room selling. All right. What's the first image that comes to your mind, Jacqueline, when you think boiler room selling? What's the first image? A salesperson standing up in a room. Yeah. It's like, you ever seen Wolf on, have you ever seen Wolf on Wall Street? Yes. Leo. I mean, yeah, that's how they depiction, you know, the guy, Jordan Belfort. I'm sure he's probably not that way, but that's how they <laughs> depict him. Right. It's like uh-huh. we get on the phone, you know, and we're the least persuasive when we tell people things or we attempt to dominate them or posture them or manipulate them or pressure them into doing something we want them to do. Just like if you watch the movies about Wall Street where the salespeople are in there on the floor, hey, I've got a great opportunity for you. And then we talk about the features and the benefits of what they, what they need. And we push and we tell them why they need to buy or why they need to go with you over a competitor. And it's just like if you tell you know, your spouse that they need to do something for you and then you push them to do it, what do they typically do back? Resist. They push back, push right? Back. It's, just, it's, just, it's just human behavior 101. So I'll give you guys a few examples of the least persuasive way to sell. This is crazy once you hear this, right? So presenting, we are all taught that you have to have an amazing presentation, slide decks for an hour and a half, show them how great your products and services are. Here's a picture of our corporate office. We've won this customer service award. Here's all of our clients. We have the best this, we have the best that, which by the way, doesn't every single salesperson always say they have the best product or service? Oh yeah. I mean, how I don't yeah, how remember many one people, time that I haven't heard that. Yeah, how many, how many salespeople or companies have come up to you and said, well, we actually have the fifth best service in the market. No one, right? They all <laughs> say they're the best. So when we say that to prospects, human behavior, our prospects actually trust us less when we say things like that, or we talk bad about our competitors, why? Because they're used to every salesperson who's ever tried to sell them something doing the exact same thing. Hey there, small business owners. It's Jacqueline Farkas here. Do you love tuning into the Small Business Strategy Podcast? Great news. There are ways you can support our podcast simply by following and subscribing to our podcast and sharing with a small business owner friend. We'd also love to hear from you on what topics resonate with you by leaving a rating or review on how you enjoy our podcast. It does help with our ratings to have that feedback as well. We'd love to hear from you. And also, are you looking to share your story as a small business owner? Apply to be a guest on our podcast. We'd love to hear your story and share it with other small business owners. For all the details, check out our website, marketingserviceboutique.com backslash podcast. See you there.
So they immediately categorize you as just another salesperson trying to sell me something that I don't want, don't need, can't afford. Okay. So according to the data, it's not very persuasive if your presentation is more than 10% of your entire sales conversation. The average salesperson is presenting half of the time. We have to lower that down. Telling your story. Hate to tell you this, when you're selling one-on-one, nobody cares about your story, right? Whose story do they most care about? Their story, right? Their story, right? Yeah, and they how they, how they can win. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about your story or, you yeah. know, if you're like, well, I, you know, I work with Google AdWords or I work with Microsoft. They're thinking, well, we're not Microsoft. How's that going to help us, right? So we think that, oh, this is a great testimonial, but they might think, well, that company's much larger. I don't see how that's going to help us, right? So we have to think about that, all right? So giving a sales pitch, all right? We've all been told you got to give a great pitch, but according to the science, very low on the persuasive pole. You ever, uh, you ever watch uh, Shark Tank on CNBC? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I want you to watch the body language of the sharks, like Mark Cuban, Damien there, Mr. Wonderful, Barbara, whoever they have, a, you know, some different ones, Kevin that they put in there. Watch the body language when the entrepreneurs come out and start pitching. They're like, whoa, you know, they're like held back. They're like, okay, so we have to stop the pitch. You know, we even get shirts for our clients that say hashtag ditch the pitch. All right. I love it. <laughs> right. Hashtag ditch the pitch. That's TM. All right. And the big one, assuming the sale. According to the data, very low on the persuasive poll, especially if you're in a more of a complex sound environment that requires multiple calls, multiple touches, or is more of a high ticket item. All right. Now, this, that's the first form. Now, the second form of communication is called consultative selling. Everybody's heard of that. That's era two yeah. type of sales, right? So we're more persuasive when we attempt to have a discussion. Okay. Consultative selling came out in the late eighties with a book called spin selling. There were some other good books that taught you that you needed to ask logical based questions to find the needs of the client, which was like revolutionary back in the eighties from boiler room selling. But what's the potential downfall of the approach when you only ask logical based questions? We call those surface level questions. Well, when you're only asking surface level questions, your prospects are going to give you surface level answers back, okay? Logical based answers back. And do people buy on logic or emotion? Well, brain studies emotion. show- Emotion. Yeah, 100%. everybody knows that. Brain studies shows it's 100% emotion. There's no debate about that. So when we're saying, when we're asking questions like, oh, so tell me, Jacqueline, what's keeping you awake at night? Or what's two problems that you're having the most? Or who besides you would be involved in this decision? See, those are surface level questions. But if I just relanguage that question to find the real decision maker, let's say if I'm selling in a B2B environment, I might say, Jackie, can you walk me through your organization's decision making process when it comes to solving problems like this? See, that's more under the surface. And then we would clarify and probe based off their answers. Okay. So we want to avoid surface level questions because that's why you get so many objections at the end. Like I want to think it over. I need to keep doing. Yeah. More I think research. a lot of entrepreneurs can learn, you know, techniques on that. I believe I've encountered it even in, you know, my own calls that because yeah. I didn't have the knowledge of, you know, sales background like yourself or yeah. what kind of questions to use. I'm really great at probing questions. I think yeah. I can get narrowed down to the problem, but yeah. then it's like, what's the next step? Well, you that's know, true because I, and, and that's for a lot of entrepreneurs. <laughs> it's not just finding out what the problem is. It's finding out what's causing the problem, the uh, root cause. And then it goes a, a level deeper as how is that problem affecting them even personally? 
Yes. Once you and learn those skills, your numbers triple overnight. It becomes really easy. Yeah. And I find it, you know, problem. sneaking, like it's a process, right? Like any yeah. process in business, but I find sometimes, you know, newer entrepreneurs have trouble opening up and I can see the fear, you know, especially one-on-one consult calls. You you only have fear because you don't know the right skills. Once you, it'd be like, if you're a neurosurgeon and you go into your first surgery and you don't know that much about the right surgery techniques, you probably have a fear of doing a brain surgery, right? But a neurosurgeon that studied that has the right skills has no fear, hundred percent confident. Same is true in sales. If you have the skills that work with human behavior, you have a hundred percent confidence. It confidence does not come from reading a bunch of personal development books, even though I love them. It doesn't come from meditating every morning. It doesn't come from, you know, writing in your journal. None of that matters when the prospect picks up the phone and says hello, and you don't know what to say or ask that triggers them to want to engage and open up and you get smashed in the face pretty quick. And all that personal development goes out the window when you get rejected. I love personal development but it's not going to help you sell more if you don't know what to say and ask that triggers them to open up, right? Rather than resist. Exactly. A big myth in selling. All right. So, okay. So that's the second mode. All right. Now the third mode, this is where it gets exciting. Okay. (laughs) What's called, I'm not going to give the scientific term, but it's, it's like dialogue. That's error three type of sales. So the most persuasive when we allow others to persuade themselves. Okay. When you're using what are called neuroemotional persuasion questions, that goes back to your questions, NEPQ. Now, the key is, this is where we have to learn certain questions and techniques that, like I mentioned, work with human behavior to get the prospect to want to pull us in and go below the surface rather than pushing back and resisting where we have to overcome this wall. So we call that the ABDs of selling, always be disarming. How do we disarm the prospect from point A of the sale all the way to point Z where they're actually paying for the service and getting fulfillment? We have to continually be disarming the prospect where they're still opening up and telling us what's really going on. Because a lot of people ask me like, well, Jeremy, how do I get somebody to persuade themselves? You know, that's the billion dollar question. Do you just show up and say, hey, Mr. Prospect, go ahead and persuade yourself. You know, here's our address to mail. No, right? You have to learn specific skilled questions and when and how to ask those in a step-by-step structure that get your prospects to sell themselves rather than you trying to do it. That's the main difference. You with me? Yeah. No, I love it. I think- Bunch of boring scientific stuff. No, I think it's really valuable. And sometimes it's just a matter of taking the time to learn the skills, you know, because sometimes the fear can take over and- sales conversations and really the bread and butter of running a small business. You need sales. You need you to be don't good have at it. sales. You have no business. You if have you, exactly. If you don't learn how to communicate with today's information age buyer, or if you have a sales team that is still using old school techniques on today's information age buyer, do you see why you're not able to scale to where you want to be? Because the prospects that respond to your ads The prospects who book on your calendar or request more information, they wouldn't do that unless they had what? Problems, right? So they're booking a call with you. They're requesting information because they have a problem. Do you have the solution that solves that problem? I would say probably yes. So what's the missing link? It's not your leads. It's not that you don't journal enough in the morning or (laughs) meditate enough. 
It's what you're saying and or you haven't learned what to ask that's triggering your prospect to go into fight or flight mode and run the other way. So once you learn exactly what to say, once you are taught and acquire the right questions to ask, then you solve a lot of problems with your prospects and you get paid a lot of money for that and your company scales very quickly. That's the main difference. Love it. Those are all acquired skills. Yeah, no, I, that's a really great point because, you know, I, in the entrepreneurial space, I've learned so much within the two years that I've been in business and I love meeting connections, you know, through this podcast, because it really can elevate and build strategic relationships. That's what I'm all about. That's my passion aside from branding and marketing. It's this, what we're doing right now. It really elevates a lot of things in business. Hey, and before I forget, if any yeah. of your people, you know, that are watching the show, if they ever want a list of some of those NEPQ questions that they can use for different sales situations or in to help them sell more, they can go to our free Facebook group. I think I gave you the link. It's, yes. Um, yes. Everything's yeah. going to be in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. It's sales, salesrevolution.pro. So then go to salesrevolution.pro and right when they join, just have them check their DMs. Somebody on my team or even if I have time, but it's more than likely somebody on my team will message them over a free training called the NEPQ 101 mini course. And they can mm-hmm. use that for different sales situations they're in. Love if it. They wanna, if they want to learn how to sell more. Sure. Yeah, I, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. I'm definitely going to check out your Facebook group and, and get involved and engage. Well, there you go. Um, before we you know, head off today, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your challenges as a business owner. You know, What do you currently encounter in your own business that you deal with? Maybe your top three challenges? Well, you know, I'd say the first challenge, I think sometimes, especially, you know, because we're our company has been here less than four years. Okay. You know, last year we won Inc. 5000 award. We were actually in our category, we're ranked the number one fastest sales training company in the United States last year. Wow. And then Congratulations. On the whole list, thank you. That all that tells us is our clients are getting massive results because we wouldn't be ranked that high if they didn't. Right. Cause they, anyway, so that really, we like that. And we were ranked like 1,200 something on the entire list, you know, top growing companies. Now with that type of growth can also come challenges. Because we grew like, you know, last year, like 600 some percent. So you're talking about month over month, you're growing by like 50, 55% month over month after month. And a big challenge is you have to sometimes say, look, we need to slow down some of our marketing, turn off some of our marketing because we are acquiring too many clients. So about eight months ago, we did that. We shut off like half of our marketing because we're like, we're acquiring too many clients. We have to hire and train even more sales trainers in NAPQ and get them versed in it before we can turn our marketing back on, which we did about three or four months ago to catch up. So sometimes as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you can grow and scale too fast. And sometimes companies literally like go out of business because they grow too fast and then they can't fulfill on what they're offering. So as a business owner, sometimes you have to be willing to cut off some of your revenue, some of your growth to make sure that you are getting results for all of your clients. And then when you catch up with the right team, then you can turn that back on. So that's definitely a lesson that some people, you know, my CEO of the company, I'm, I'm just the chairman. I'm not even the CEO anymore. I stepped down as the CEO two years ago. So my business partner and the CEO, he's like, look, we're growing too fast. Mm-hmm. We need to cut our growth down to about 10% growth from 55%. So I'm going to turn off like 80% of our ads. And I'm like, no, but 
that enables us to grow even bigger because now we have the right team in place to be yes. able to handle thousands of more clients a year. I love that. And that's a big challenge. Yeah. How about your second one? I'd say the second biggest challenge is just knowing who's going to be the right person for the right job. Okay. Hmm. So I don't even do, I don't even do the hiring in the company anymore. I'm just, you know, I'm just the one that's over all the training and fulfillment. Obviously it's my methodology and stuff, but finding the right people in your company that are great leaders that know what type of person is going to fit in your company culture Mm -hmm. is a skill in itself. It's not just hiring because you hire the wrong person. Let's say in your marketing department, it could set you back six months. Oh yeah, No kidding. Let's say you hire the wrong chief marketing officer, set you back six months, right? You hire the wrong uh, chief you know, information officer or whatever check technology officer could set you back three to six months. So it's about learning how to hire the right people that are going to fit into that job description. And that is something you have to learn how to do as well. Or if you don't know how to do that, you hire people or your business partner that you have is excellent at doing that. You want to have a business partner or business partners that are really, really talented in areas that you're weak in. I love that. And I'm currently going through that right now. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs that I've met recently are going through the same thing. They're working on scaling and building their team, but they're still holding on to a little fear to expand and delegate which is normal. But for me, I took the leap and I haven't looked back since like things, right? Like you have to do things are completely different in a good way. I just, I'm so surprised and thankful that I have such a great brand designer and the skill set she has is. Yeah. She has a better skill set than you. You want yes. to, focus, and that's the third thing I was going to say. I kind of introduced it there. Yeah. But the third thing is really getting people in your company that are really, really talented and have strengths and areas where you are weak in. Okay. So my biggest weakness is I never had been a CEO before. I mean, here I was coming from the sales world as, as, a, as a top, top salesperson in the whole world. One of the, the top 50, I was ranked by the direct selling or, or whatever they are, but I had never been a CEO. I'd never run a company. What am I supposed to do? Like go to a conference and am I going to learn all these skills? And so after about a year and a half, I realized like, look, this is not my strength. I'm running the company. I'm trying to do the day-to-day business. I'm doing all the training, making all the new content. Like I'm running out of hours in the day. And at that point, I brought on my business partner, the CEO, and he's really, really talented at running a company. You know, he sold other multiple businesses for multi-million dollars and he knows what to do. He just has the right structure in place operational wise. And he just extremely talented at that. And then I obviously wasn't very good at marketing as well. So we brought on a chief revenue officer, okay, that has equity in the company as well. And that individual is extremely talented at marketing strategy. And once we started implementing him about a year and a half ago, we started growing like crazy because our reels, everything that we do are like everywhere. I even get stopped in the gym almost every morning. Oh, like, hey, I saw awesome. your reels yesterday <laughs> on IG or I saw you on LinkedIn or I'm following you on Facebook now. And I, you know, I go to Lifetime Fitness, there's like 500 people in there. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, so you get the right people that have really strong strengths and your company can grow really, really big because, you know, let's say you're a seven figure business owner right now. Well, your team that's gotten you here and the people you work with that's gotten you to this level, how could they ever get you to eight figures? They couldn't. You have to bring on 
other people to build that. Or let's say you're a six-figure company. How do you go to seven figures? It's the same thing because what's gotten you here is never going to get you here. You know, we're a multi-eight-figure year business now. And we're like, how do we scale to nine figures a year? What's gotten us to multiple eight figures a year is not going to get us to nine figures. So who do we need to add in the team that has those skill sets in different departments that can help us scale to that level. So that's something that every business owner really has to learn how to do if they really want to scale and really help a lot more people. Yeah, I love that advice. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be on here with us, Jeremy. And where is the best place? I know we talked about a little bit, but where are you most active on social media? Is it LinkedIn? Yeah, Um, I I don't do as much on LinkedIn. I mean, they can follow me anywhere. But if they want, you know, some resources where they can sell more of their products or services Mm -hmm. or get their salespeople to sell more, um, just have them go to our Facebook group. We've got about 24,000 people in there. We started that about eight months ago. So just have them go to uh, www.salesrevolution.pro. So salesrevolution.pro. And like I said, when they join, have them check their DMs. Somebody on my team will DM them over a free training uh, that we put together for you guys called the NEPQ 101 mini course, list okay. of different questions. And it's all taught by my CEO, Matt Ryder, who was actually one of my first clients, believe it or not. Oh, amazing. He, he, breaks it, he breaks it down. Yeah. Most people that we hire in the company are former clients because they understand the methodology, if that makes Love sense. It. They, they already know the, the, the results and stuff. And so we go live in that Facebook group three, four times a week, different trainings, different Q and A's. We've got hundreds of different industries in there of salespeople. So would you say, um, you know, new entrepreneurs are welcome as well or anybody? We have have business owners in there that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies all Mm -hmm. the way down to entrepreneurs who it's just them and their company. That's it. They're just a solo. Good to know. Because so I know every- there's a wide range and it's important. Sometimes, you know, being a newer entrepreneur, it can be intimidating, right? To join this yeah. group where there's a lot of people. Yeah, we train at this point, we, Forbes magazine says there's 158 industries in the world and there's subsets of those industries. We are in all of those industries as far as oh, the clients we have okay. at this point. So whoever's listening right now, we are training somebody in your industry, I can pretty much assure you of that for sure. So they're welcome to join there. Doesn't matter what they sell. Perfect. All right, Jeremy. Well, thank you so much. And we'll have all the juicy details and link uh, links in the um, show notes. Thanks for having me on your show. Enjoy California. I'm going to be out there in a couple of weeks, going to Newport beach, right on the beach there, then taking the three and a half year old selfie over to Disneyland, you know, having oh, some fun. fun. You will have fun. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. A big part of business growth is taking strategic action and keeping your mindset and vision on track. Strategy is the core foundation of my success recipe and this podcast. This is not your average business podcast. I'm here to build a small business community. My name is Jacqueline Farkas, founder of Marketing Service Boutique. Join us and hit the subscribe button today.